0: Hello, hello, listeners to the Third Way podcast. I'm recording this episode on my back deck because I want to. <laughs> so it may sound a little like Oprah's Super, super Soul Sundays because she records those outside too. So you might hear doves or birds or humans, but that's where I'm at today. Um, I am joined today by a very interesting person. I would put uh, the person I'm about to introduce is probably the most interesting person I've met this year. In um, a lot of different ways. And so I'm joined today by Jupiter Jones. Um, Jupiter is a uh, re- uh, retail manager for a, uh, a retail a bar designer, excuse me, and also a, a vice president of operations. And we're not here to talk about that today. We're here to talk about this because uh, Jupiter is a very open and vocal advocate for autistic people being autistic herself. So that is. I'll introduce our topic in a second, but welcome, Jupiter.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Justin. This has been a really um, exciting opportunity, um, especially within my work of starting to really go public and be public about my autism diagnosis and kind of existing in that world, as well as corporate at the same time. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Well, you have a, you know, it's, (laughs) you have a very uh, diverse background, Um, you know, so many different things and you're still young. How old are you again?
1: I will be 35 in August.
0: So 35, and you've you've lived like you're, like five different lifetimes. Yeah, know, <laughs> the, the things that you've done it's it's pretty remarkable, and I think that adds to what you do. Um, And for those Gen Xers uh, listening, you may recognize Jupiter Jones from my favorite books as a kid, The Three Investigators, and Jupiter was the main one of the main characters. So, um, well, so we're talking about autism today, and um, we're we're really looking at this idea that you and I kind of bonded over that neurodivergence is a gift. Um, treating it as a disorder is kind of fucking offensive and not helpful. Um, and one of the gifts of neurodivergent people is, is very strong intuition, especially autistic people. Um, I am I am as everybody knows I have I'm very high on the ADHD spectrum. I have some of the markers of autism, but I have not been diagnosed with autism, Um, but I relate to very much to your story and how you are bringing like positive resourcing to people, to neurodivergent people. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah,
1: I'm very excited. I am. I'm also, so for the listeners out there, I am diagnosed both autistic and ADHD and the short term is odd ADHD, which is kind of like weird, but, and it's yeah. still kind of like morphing into people. Cause I have a lot of people that just kind of like, um, that just kind of talk about that's more of what they relate to. I definitely like when you look at, cause everything's a spectrum, right? And so when you look at the spectrum, um, I'm very much like probably 80 to 90% autistic and then 10% ADHD. I definitely have my days of like, I can usually tell when my nervous system is starting to overcompensate because that's actually when my ADHD kicks in. So when I start to experience symptoms of ADHD, I'm like, Oh, I'm about to hit, like, it's almost this trigger of like, okay, I'm moving towards autistic shutdown, you know, Uh, or like, mm -hmm. and so like, that's actually how I gauge it is if I start to not Be able to use my brain. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, okay, we're reaching max capacity. We need to immediately stop and pull back as well. So, yeah,
0: that's interesting. It's the, you know, there's the window of tolerance. Yep. You know that we know near us neurodivergent people know and trauma survivors too, and that, but that's the window of tolerance. I suspect for autism is different than the window of tolerance for ADHD. Um, I would flip it around for myself. I'm 90% ADHD and probably 10% autistic tendencies, especially related to noise sensitivity and pattern recognition. Yeah. So, well, let's dive into this idea of autism and intuition. And let's start off with something. I think there are terms that people think are interchangeable. I don't think they're interchangeable. I think they're very different. But what is the difference to you between instincts and intuition?
1: So I this is not the first time I've had this question asked to me. And sometimes it's actually quite hard to pull them apart. And, um, at least for me and my reality, because the way that I exist is that I'm sure we'll probably go into this a little bit more, but the way that I exist is that my intuition is constantly a part of my life. There mm. is no part of my life that my intuition doesn't touch, whether that's business relationships, uh, where I'm going to live next. like. The same thing of like, if you would have told me, you know, two years ago that I'd be in Texas, I'd be like, you're crazy. But Mm -hmm. it just kind of worked out that way. Um, So for me, I feel like instinct is something, and this is just, you know, terminology is very difficult at times. For me, instinct is very 3D. And so instinct is almost like operated and functional through that lizard side of the brain. Your instinct is going to tell you I need to get away from the situation. There is an issue here. Your instinct is going to tell you that you need to eat something. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think the best way I can draw the line. Whereas intuition is more of a guidance spectrum. And so with me, when I, cause I do, I still do um, life coaching and um You know, kind of like intuitive readings, just on the Mm -hmm. side, not too much anymore. But I have clients that I've had for nearly a decade now, Mm -hmm. and when I describe to them what I see when I'm doing these sessions, is it's almost like a video game of where you have that highlighted path, Mm -hmm. and then there's different paths that are also illuminated, but it's not as much. And so I'm looking at the path that has. Anywhere from like a 72 to a 98 percentile most likely going to happen. And that's the one I'm most likely going to give you. But then I'm also going to say you also have the option of these two and Mm. then I'll give them a total of three. So Mm. for me, when I look at intuition from that perspective, my, you know, take it as a grain of salt. That's what I tell people, even in my own teachings and my readings and everything like that. I'm like, listen, if I say something to you that doesn't resonate, no hard feelings, you know, because you're going to take away what you need to take away from whatever conversation we have. Mm -hmm. And so within intuition, that's very much how I see it of kind of like, it's a guiding path while instinct is a notification, I guess, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense of like, there's something happening versus something could be happening.
0: Yes. Wow. I love that. What you said, I love all that. But what you said at the beginning um, of your answer, that intuition is every part of your life. Yes. And I that uh, resonates with me is that I, I was thinking my way through life until I had my first awakening. And since then, often in very painful ways, I've been feeling my way through life. Yes. Feeling yes. feeling the timing, trying to find the rhythm. Like more I don't surf, but more like surfing or, mm-hmm. or or fly fishing or something. Like it's got its own rhythm. And I think my definition of instinct versus intuition is similar to yours, not surprisingly. Instinct to me is at three levels as well. It's, there's the reptilian brain where it's, Mm -hmm. that's the, where it's related to, uh, movement and temperature sensitivity and the need to reproduce. Yep. So, um, especially the male brain, um, this, (laughs) the second one is the, you'd be
1: surprised how his women feel about that as well. Believe me. (laughs)
0: Uh, the second one is the mammalian brain, which is a, much more about like the nervous system and the structure of the, basically your surroundings and your conditions, your, how you fit into the hierarchy of a pack. Um, yeah. And there's instincts related to that. Um, and you can look at those as sort of animal instincts where they just know to do things because it's imprinted in their DNA. Correct. Then you got the one that is the real pain in the ass. And that is the neocortex instinct. And neocortex instinct is all about preservation of identity. Yes. Is, so this is why people get offended. This is why people get defensive. They get, this is why people get, um, they, they get worked up about things that affect their ego's view of them. Yes. And so I think the one of the tasks is to discern which, so somebody will say gut feeling, and I ask where in your gut? Cause I have found asking hundreds of people that question that it's going to t- hit you in different areas of your stomach,
1: upper versus lower. It's very much lower. A, yes. And even those three points of like, I mean, you look at it from like a chakra point of view, if it's an upper gut, that's your solar plexus. That's a that's very right. different feeling than your root chakra.
0: That's I right. I completely agree with you. Yeah. So where in your gut, um, intuition is to me i mean this is a useful bifurcation not a absolute but the instinct is of the ego intuition is of the soul to put it in my terms or the true self versus the true self of the soul and the strategic self of the ego and i think intuition is is like i love it like you said it's a guidance system it's an onboard Mm -hmm. guidance system but it only works in accordance to your connection to your heart I don't believe that if you are disconnected from your heart, you're even aware of intuition. Everything is, everything is reactive Mm -hmm. to stimuli to the instinct. And sometimes you're right. And that makes you feel smart. And so you keep doing it. But um, if you're disconnected, if you're connected to your heart, intuition is that knowing. And there is always like, when there's a choice, there's a better one. If you listen, if you, Mm -hmm. if you don't know what to do, listen, if you don't know what to create, listen. And that's why I've said that, um, that the the instinct and this ego is seize the day, and intuition and the soul is receive the day. It's like what will happen today that I that I'm receiving. I fail at that a lot because I don't like to wait. I like to be in control. I got a lot of like patriarchal wiring still. <laughs> and resting
1: uh, is still an ox is still an action. I tell that to a lot of my clients. Like resting is still an action.
0: We're right. still moving. And so it's retreating sometimes too. Yes, yeah. correct. Fascinating. All right. So the next question is, um, so I touched on this in the intro, but do you think that neurodivergent people have better intuition, like on a, like a skill or are they, are we just better at being tuned into it? You see what I'm saying? It's like it's, yep. like, it's almost like horsepower. Do we have more intuition horsepower than non-neurodivergent people or neurotypical people? Or are we just more tuned in and we all have the same horsepower and we're just more, more tuned into it.
1: So this was something that, um, I say a lot when I'm teaching seminars or groups of people within the more like woo-woo or metaphysical realms mm-hmm. of, Um, there's nothing. Physically inside of me, that is different from you. We, mm-hmm. I am a firm believer that we absolutely, being neurodivergent or not, we absolutely are built in similar ways. And this is where, like, I am, I truly believe that intuition is a muscle. And mm-hmm. the more that you use it, the more that you rely on it, the more that you integrate it, really, um, that's going to dictate your ability. Now, that being said, I do feel that neurodivergence, we have a higher sensitivity to everything. And so naturally we're going to have a higher sensitivity in the intuition or um, kind of like processes. So when you're looking at someone who is autistic, um, one of the biggest things that I've noticed across the board is that we can tell when someone is lying. And I know for me, it is not visual, it's actually it, the best way to describe it is like almost like smell. Mm-hmm. Now, whether that, if you look at the scientific background of it, whether that is due to the increase of hormones or chemicals within the brain and the change within the body system that I, that I happen to be picking up on, which I can't, you know, I can't prove or guarantee, or whether it is almost like an intuition style of smell, of where like, it literally doesn't smell right. And right. so I think that for neurodivergence, it's very much about our perception of reality is significantly more involved. It is not, it is not right or wrong, because that's where you start to get in some really dirty areas. But I do think that it is more sensitive and we just have that ability to access it. We also, if I'm not mistaken, I need to go back and refresh my information. Neurodivergence tend to have an, a, more, a more active brain. We have more synopsis and everything that are firing at a time. And so we're naturally going to, because of that, we're naturally going to be receiving more information than generalized neurotypicals. It's also why we get overstimulated, why we get overwhelmed, It's because our right. brain is firing so much. And I think that that's probably why is that we're just more sensitive but in that case you can always build sensitivity
0: it's kind of hard to knock it
1: down but you can always build it
0: yeah i it's an interesting take i have a i I, i'm applying evolutionary theory here Mm -hmm. to my answer so you know for the first couple hundred thousand years of the human existence us neurodivergence were in charge you know there's a reason that the neurodivergent wiring and gathering the hunting (laughs) yeah the hunter gene and yep. there's a call reference in the show notes called driven. I had, uh, uh, Doug Brackman, the the author on and driven is the best book I've ever read on ADHD. And it's about, <laughs> I,
1: yeah, I've read
0: that. It's so good. I've read it three times. I had him on my podcast. I was on his just super cool guy. So evolu- from an evolutionary perspective, then you know 6000ish years ago when we you know when we st- when we shift to an agrarian community culture and we saw the rise of monotheism and then therefore there was a hierarchy there was another shift that happened there which is prior to the agricultural age almost all of the shamans were women yes um, after and after agriculture they became the shamans which became priests which were all about collection tax collection really were they were men, and what I think happened is is that we we neurodivergence faded into the background, especially especially as we rolled into the industrial age.
1: I think we're more hunted and pushed. I don't know.
0: Yeah, yeah maybe maybe we were, but <laughs> what we did is we were the explorers. Like if yeah. we were to sit down with a Magellan or, or somebody or or you know De Soto, we would see that they were they were. Explorers. If we were to look at indigenous peoples, I bet you there was more ADHD, what we would call modern day ADHD. I bet you if we look at um, you know inventors of like Edison and Ben Franklin, there we're the outliers. And I would look at it like um, in one of the Jack Reacher books. Um, at the very beginning, it says there was a hundred people gathered around a fire. That was oh, it was a thousand years ago, and a hundred people were gathered around a fire. And they heard a wolf howl and 99 were afraid and one was jealous. And that ratio to me is similar It's like we're wired differently. So I think, and maybe this is a bit like of some type of like neuro supremacy, but there's something about the way that we're wired that is evolutionary and, and it's coming back for two reasons, I believe. One is we're re-entering an age of the feminine. So these things are much more necessary now, like they were 6,000, 7,000 years ago. And we're entering into an age where the things that need to change will be changed because of art. They will be changed because of creativity and inventiveness. They're not going to be changed systemically anymore first. They're going to be changed through artistic expression. And, And so the world needs us. And whether or not we have more or less intuition Mm-hmm. to me it doesn't ultimately matter what matters mm-hmm. is, is that we're the ones that sort of intuitively ironically know how to access it it's like you say it's right there for us and maybe if you're neurotypical you have to dig a little deeper to get to it
1: yeah i think too like bringing that into talking about i think it's really interesting that you see change happening through art and i'm i have a very similar view but for me because of the communities I grew up in, um, you know, I, I grew up in communities of color much more substantially than communities of Caucasian. And so even with me being a Caucasian female, I'm from Atlanta, a lot of my friends were people of color. And so one of the things I noticed is that for change to occur, it had to go through community. And wow. so I think, you know, it had to become a, a somewhat of a communal belief. And so with that being the background of it, I think that we're moving more towards that, especially because we're starting to see, you know, within change is that it's a ripple effect. And if there is a community that believes something, um, that is the direction we're going. And we saw the adverse of it, you know, with COVID and, and all this stuff back then, we saw that we can see the negative side of it as well, of what's happening when a community believes something. Yes. And it just goes, poof, you know, and so like um, I think that that's one of the things about with where we're going is that it's the community that's changing and whether and and we just happen to be moving into, you know, and I'm an astrology person. So we're having to move into this, like, you know, Piscean age
0: mm-hmm. of where
1: we're seeing all these different ideas and, and everything like that. But I do definitely agree with you for sure that it, it's coming through community and I will be fascinated to see if it comes through art. It would make me very happy, honestly.
0: Yeah, yeah me too. Yeah, I think, um, you know, if we were, you know, we're highly adaptable as neurodivergent types in in most cases, and we would, we would have, you know, we were probably the mystics in another era, or we yeah. were the alchemists, or, well, I think we always have been outliers, but I think what's going to happen over the next 30 to 40 years is you're going to see neurodivergent people in positions of authority, yes. and then real change is going to happen.
1: I'm seeing that already even within a corporate structure like believe me I never would have expected to be kind of like that voice within corporate rooms because I'm very fortunate that like on the sliding scale of autism social ability is not as affected as many other people I definitely have my other things that are like deeply affected but for me to be able to speak you know it's Really, in a, in a room full of corporate people, of just being like, ah, <laughs> but as the autistic in the room, the X, Y, Z, and so just the ability to be able to do that is shocking to me. From when you know I was undiagnosed and dealing with all of the structure and, and failing
0: deeply, yeah. yeah, yeah, fascinating. All right, well, last question is storytelling time. <laughs> so what's a good story? I'm sure you have many. But what's a good story of when intuition served you particularly well?
1: Um, So I thought about this a lot, you know, when we were discussing kind of like running over things. And I think the best story that I have, I have a lot of stories, but I think the best story that I have is probably the one that we've spoken about before, but the one about the accident um, leaving the music festival. Right. So... For anybody who is in Florida, you probably are familiar with what's called the Okeechobee Music Festival. It's basically like it's kind of like Coachella, but like in the Everglades, it's pretty wild. Hmm. Um, And for years, I was one of the volunteer bar managers there, and um, I also have a medical background. And so my boss at the time um, would always not poke fun, but she would always mention that like somehow the people that were overdosing or there's some type of medical problem always end up in front of my bar. It's like, Mm. you know, a fucking magnet. (laughs) And so like, I have, I I have yet to get through one year where this did not happen to me. So it's whatever. But one of the things that was really interesting is that was one year where um, I went to lay down for a nap in between my shifts because I was very tired and we had been out all night or whatever. So I laid down for a nap something woke me up out of a dead sleep and it was not only kind of like an internal voice but also literally like almost something moving my body and was very much of like get up go now and i was like and i literally i remember waking up and gasping when i woke up i just like what is happening And I lived pretty close to the festival um, and I had a bunch of stuff that I needed to take home before breakdown so that I could actually fit everything in my car. And so I was like, all right, well, let me make a quick trip home um, with some stuff so it's not as stressful tomorrow. So I'm like, okay. Um, So I get up and I go and I pack stuff in my car and I'm in a rush and there's no reason for me to be in a rush, but I just have like this internal thing that's pushing me. I throw a bunch of crap in my car. I go and on the way out from the music festival, there's this one gas station. It's the only gas station within Lord knows how many miles, because it really is out in the middle of nowhere, the music festival. And I stop at this gas station and I get gas and I go inside, which I hate to do because as much as I am good with social, I actually dislike generalized interactions. (laughs) Like if there's not a point, I hate it. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And so I was like, whatever, I'll just go inside. I'll get a drink, you know, whatever. So I did. And as I was checking out, there was this kid in front of me that was just kind of weird. And I was like, mm, you know, weird kids doing stupid shit, music festival, X, Y, Z, insert here. Right. And so I get my car and I pull out of the gas station and I'm, you know, pushing along towards this intersection of where you would, it was a T intersection And you would either turn left to go towards Jupiter, which is where my name is from. So you would either go towards Jupiter, Florida, or you would turn right and go farther up north. And this particular Hmm. intersection was, um, it's known for being a deadly intersection. This was not the first time that an accident would have happened. And as I'm tooling towards this intersection, the kid that was in front of me speeds around me in an infinity doing at least 120 miles an hour. To the point where I'm already probably doing 65 and he actually shakes my car and I had like a little Nissan or something and I was like, kind of shit me and I was like, well, that's weird. Anyways, he blows, he comes and I actually saw him blowing up behind me and I happened to like tap my brakes to signal like, Hey, and he goes around me and he goes around two other cars in front of me. Continue down the road for another two minutes. And all of a sudden everybody stopped and I pull over and I'm like, what's going on? Um, and I see that there's been this huge accident, and I get out of the car mostly because I'm concerned, but also because I have to with my medical background. So I was like, okay, I have to go see what's going on. I run mm-hmm. up to the accident, and there's the kid that was in front of me, um, or that blew past me, and he is now hit. He hit one car, doing probably like 120, killed. The girl on impact, with the one driving on impact. Later on, the other passenger passed as well. Also, had spun around two other cars that were in front. One of them, oddly, being um, being my ex boss's husband, which was also ironic that I was now involved in this whole debacle. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I go through and do what I can, and kind of am dealing with the driver who was the one that killed them, and now. And what's really interesting is that this accident was almost clandestine because every car that was behind them that stopped, one of us had a medical background. There was one guy that was an EMT, there was me and then there was like another person who was a nurse. it was it was it was absolutely wild. and so there was literally one medical professional for each one of these vehicles. So when I'm running up, I go into the car, I check on the driver um, that caused the accident and he was somewhat kind of functioning but I was like all right I'm gonna come back and I go to the other car that is the most damaged and the EMT was actually there and I'll never forget he said to me um she's out Hmm. um and she he's holding the neck of the other one um yeah sorry trigger warning um but he and he tells me he points to go back to um the other driver and so now because this person is more experienced than me I take you know the direction I'm given because I'm like I only know very basic stuff. And like, I, and uh, ironically enough, I have a history in working with um, spinal patients when I worked at the Stafford Center in Atlanta. So like paraplegics was the specialty that I had. Mm. And so he then puts me with the driver that caused the accident. And so now my job is to take care of this kid that, is, that has killed people, <laughs> which is a really ironic thing. And it still kind of messes with me. But the whole story, you know, long story short, if I had not, and he was hard to keep consciousness. And I can remember that two of the, the other two medical professionals that were there told me, they were like, if you had not been here and working with him, he would have died as well, hmm. which is like one of these things of like, it's a really double-edged sword because my intuition absolutely helped me save life, but it had me save the life of someone that killed two people. Right. So it's this weird thing of like, you know, I will never know (laughs) of why this happened. And what's really interesting is that particular year, those two years that this accident happened, that I was dealing with everything. um, There were, that was just one, that was the first of three accidents that I ended up being medical assistant at. And it got to the point where I literally like said to whatever higher power and was like you've got to stop doing this to me like i cannot <laughs> deal with yeah, being kidding. the person that rolls up on me it's like this is right. too much
0: yeah um, being god's but, first responder
1: <laughs> yeah it's weird dude and it's like and it's and it's kind of like a weird place to be and of like and the same with my intuition of working with a lot of these music festivals and also working in hospitality for as long as i have i've dealt with my first oh, my first overdose that i worked with i was a sophomore in high school and I happen to be walking down, the, walking down the hallway and this girl comes up to me and now I got to deal with her and she almost died. So there's right. this weird kind of like, my intuition tends to play in a medical perspective, probably on the strongest point, but it's, um, you know, and I also kind of like going back to neurodivergent as well. Um, and I talk about this personally, is that one of the reasons why I'm so good at dealing with trauma is my ability to put away the empathy when you come to me with an extremely traumatic situation, I don't get in the hole with you. I yeah. sit at the end of the hole. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. It reminds me of the Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers quote. He said his mom used to tell him, look for the helpers.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, And that's, that's you. Very much I, so. I think that, yeah, I think intuition is, you know, intuition comes from, the spiritual realm. And I, uh, I wrote this in a musing this morning, the day I'm recording this, that spirit is the, is in the spaces between the things that we know. Yes. And so intuition resides in there, the things that we do know it's instinct. Um. So you knew what to do yes. related to the logistics or the Correct. execution part of it, but being there and paying attention came from intuition and that's, yes. that's fascinating. Well, you know, my 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 intuition story is 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 interesting because when I looked at the what how I was going to answer this question, I thought, well, there I have a lot of stories of when I didn't listen to my intuition and it bit me in the ass. Um,
1: yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> usually
0: by like staying too long in a situation, mm-hmm. like staying too long. That's kind of a Scorpio thing. I re- I realize, um, <laughs> but for the sake of this answer, I think a good story of intuition is the series of things that have happened in the two and a half years since I met Virginia. because this is this, so I'm coming out of the end of uh, end of a marriage, and it was a long wind down, and most people know the story, and I'm 50 years old. and I was like, I, well, the, there's things I'm going to be doing different moving forward. And one of those things was I'm going to live a true story. I'm going to mm-hmm. have a pure heart. I'm not going to have any guile in my heart. Now, you know, we all fall short and I've failed at some of those things, but I had this different intention for living. Yeah. And once I, so what I was able to do is back to what I said, is I was feeling my way through life. So we meet, we connect and we talk on Zoom first, but just from her profile pic- picture, I was like, there's something here. <coughs> and it's not just like, wow, this woman is super hot. I need to talk to her. It wasn't just that. I mean, sure, that's part of it.
1: No, you know this person.
0: Exactly. And then, Mm -hmm. then the intuition to be like, let's get on Zoom and talk. And we end up talking for four hours. And the next day meeting for lunch and I get there first and she walks in and it's like the line from Great Gatsby, my soul said to your soul, ah, there you are. Yes. That was all intuition because both of us are trauma survivors. Both of us, we have wildly different backgrounds in in many different ways, but that intuition has served me well as a partner from that moment forward. And now I've fucked it up because of my own anxious attachment issues at at, at, at times and my own relationship anxiety and all the things that are not related to intuition. But when I'm in my heart, I know what to do. I know what's true. I know what's real. And so this, like, you, that's why I think why you, when you said intuition is part of your daily life that resonates with me because that's true with her, with family, with work. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as a story where I'm like, damn, I'm glad I listened to my intuition and in, and, and, because I wouldn't be here. And um, so that's a little more, uh, you know, notebooky, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, this has been as expected. I know I say this after every podcast because I have very interesting friends, but it really was fascinating and you know you, I, I craft these questions, I co-create them with the guests, you know, so you know them in mm-hmm. advance and but I'm always surprised in your particular case, there were so many things that you said where I like, oh, I never even thought about it that way And that <laughs> is the whole point of third way thinking is yeah. oh I've never thought about it that way before. So, thank you for your vulnerability. Thanks for your um, sharing yourself with the world today. And um, I know we're going to talk many, many times in the future, but it was nice to do it where we could record it. So thank you. Yeah. So much.
1: absolutely. Yeah, Thank you for having me. Um, I know it's been kind of an interesting journey in general, you know, because like even our connection, it's like, it's always random little meetings, yeah. you know. Exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. We met at a at a thing at South by Southwest. And probably one of the only reasons we met is that the there was a delay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so funny. Awesome. Thank you.